Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 51. I'm your host, William Galloway. Today is Tuesday, September 22nd, 2020, and that means one thing. It is game week, and so we are fired up for episode 51. going to preview the Missouri-Alabama football game with Dave Matter, who covers the Missouri Tigers. We'll talk with him momentarily, but of course, we're always going to do what we do here on the Galloway Podcast, take a brief look at what's new, have our interview with our guest today. It's Dave Matter, and then, of course, finish up going around Alabama athletics. So we've waited long enough for college football. Let's not keep it waiting anymore. And let's go ahead and start this podcast. We'll start with what's new and then we'll get to the heart of our interview and wrap it up with around Alabama athletics. So what's new in the world of sports? The NFL season is underway. And just for time's sake, we're going to talk about a few guys from Alabama that are now at the next level. Just a few out of the 57, of course, we've talked about before. 57 active guys on an Alabama roster. Extremely impressive. Uh, And some top performers so far this season have been Josh Jacobs and Calvin Ridley. They're off to great starts. Ridley's had two games of over 100 yards receiving in each game. He's got four touchdowns on the year, and then Josh Jacobs is just a machine for the Raiders. Derrick Henry has eclipsed 4,000 career rushing yards as well. That's happened uh, in just a handful, just two games this season. So congratulations there to Derrick Henry. That's the NFL scoop. Uh, When you look at SEC this weekend, two out of seven games in the SEC have a single-digit point spread, and that's really just strange when you think about it. Kentucky at Auburn. Auburn's an eight-point favorite. And then Tennessee at South Carolina. Tennessee is a three-point favorite. Everything else, you look at the schedule, Florida's playing at Ole Miss. Mississippi State at LSU. Georgia at Arkansas. Alabama at Missouri. Vanderbilt at Texas A&M. The biggest spread is Texas A&M being a 30-point favorite. Just unbelievable over Vanderbilt. And so it's not super surprising. Um, But on the opening weekend of SEC kickoffs, you don't normally see such big numbers in terms of the spread. But a great lineup for SEC college football this weekend, starting September 26th. Fired up about that elsewhere in the world of sports. Before we get to our interview with Dave, Bryson DeChambeau won the U.S. Open this weekend. And that was really fun to watch. If you watch that golf tournament, a uh, really challenging course. Justin Thomas making noise early, couldn't quite capitalize, and the course just got the best of everybody. It wasn't just JT who struggled with putting all season long. Uh, the course really just was not helpful to anybody. And so it was fun to watch. Bryson DeChambeau gets the win, his seventh PGA Tour win of his career. And so with that being said, let's wait no longer and jump into our interview with Dave Matter. I'm joined now by Dave Matter on the Galloway Podcast. Dave is a Missouri Athletics beat writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com. And he's the author of 100 Things Missouri Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Dave, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast here and uh, starting things off um, COVID has obviously been a hot topic, and especially with Missouri football in terms of 12 players testing positives. So what can you tell me about any further developments, uh, any update on those guys, and who kind of takes the biggest hit uh, among those players? Well, they, they haven't identified who these players are or even what position group they're from. And the 12 was of, as of last week. Now, uh, Eli Drinkwitz is going to meet with immediate Missouri we're recording this on Tuesday. This is going to be later today. And um, that number could go up. It won't go down because that was, it was definitely 12. We'll miss the game. Now these could be backups. They could be walk-ons. We just don't know for sure. Practices are closed. So we have no idea of really knowing. 
Um, you know, they he he did say when he announced the twelve that he wasn't uh, worried about the game being in danger of not being able to play uh, just because of uh, where they are with the roster. So we'll see if there's any kind of update this week. They do have a couple more tests this week, COVID tests before the game on Wednesday. And then again, on Friday, that could, you know, expand that, that uh, group of 12 to more. We do know though, that the offensive line has been a concern. They've had some injuries there. Drinkwitz has sort of alluded to having some COVID issues on the offensive line. And that's been a position of concern going into the season anyway. So uh, that, that'll really be something to watch on Saturday. Dave, obviously this offseason has been an interesting storyline in terms of what everything that's going on. Uh, but, of course, Eli Drinkwitz being named head coach amidst a weird set of circumstances, um, not having spring ball and things like that. What has the Missouri offseason looked like? Um, it's been choppy. You know, they had three spring practices, and then everything got shut down by COVID. They had to go to Zoom like everybody else. Uh, and, you know, it, that's really hard for a staff that, at least on the offensive side where they're installing a new system, all new assistant coaches on that side of the ball. Uh, you've got an open quarterback competition. You're adding players. They added a couple grad transfer receivers, a grad transfer offensive lineman. So it was going to be a, an off season of transition for the offense anyway. And then you added all the complications of not being able to practice, not being able to work out together, um, you know, really, made this a, a, a tough off season for that side of the ball defensively, not as a, a big of transition because they kept the defensive coordinator. They kept their system in place and, um, and drink doesn't really do a whole lot with the, with the defense. He entrusts that, that staff to handle that side of the ball. So it, it has been a big challenge and there, there's no doubt about it. it. It's kind of the same situation. I'm sure at Ole Miss and Mississippi state, when you've got offensive minded coaches that are bringing in new systems and, and you didn't really have a normal offseason to be able to install that and practice that. So that's um, we'll see how that plays out on the field, but it, it definitely has been a challenge for this staff. And we see an ongoing quarterback battle right now. What can you tell me about the current state of the two quarterbacks that are kind of dueling it out? Who do you see taking the cake, and what has the quarterback battle been like? Yeah, it's essentially a two-man competition. It was three, but one of them uh, announced a couple weeks ago he wanted to transfer. Uh, Sean Robinson is the guy who's played the most football at this level. He was a former starter at TCU, started eight games there, is considered kind of a natural dual threat quarterback that can run around, uh, run the ball on option keepers, scrambles, things like that. Uh, I, I would think he'd be um, the guy that I'd kind of lean toward being the choice just because of his upside and his experience. But Connor Bazelak is the other option a redshirt freshman who did play a little bit last year. He came in and played late at Georgia, and then he started the Arkansas game, Missouri's final game of the year, and was doing pretty well there until he tore his ACL. Uh, so he's had a long offseason recovery, but he got healthy in time to play uh, or, or to get back in the competition for the starting job. He's much more of a, a pocket passer, um, not a guy who you're going to call a whole lot of running plays for, even though he ran like a wishbone offense in high school. He, he's much more of a classic drop back guy. So those are the two. I wouldn't be shocked if we see both of them in some capacity. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be like a Steve Spurrier old school rotation where you're changing quarterbacks every series, but early on in the season, it, it wouldn't shock me if, if we see a little bit of both of them. Um, but I, I would give a little bit of the edge to Robinson, but Drinkwitz has said all along, he's not naming a starter. Everyone will find out for sure when the uh at the first offensive series for Missouri on Saturday. 
One thing about this Missouri team that Coach Saban talked about Monday in his press conference was the defense in terms of having eight guys returning. And so what can you tell me about this Missouri defense this year in terms of players that are going to be standout guys? I know there are guys on the all-SEC first team, second team, third team list from uh, the Missouri Tigers team. So just tell me a little bit about this defense and what to expect to see in this game from that side of the ball. It, it's got to be the backbone of this team going into the season. Um, if, if they're going to beat anybody or be competitive against the best teams on the schedule it, it's got to start with the defense they were a top 15 unit last year nationally and in most categories uh scoring defense total defense you know yards per play pretty good against the pass and they bring back like you said uh, a handful of those starters including their best player nick bolton a weak side linebacker who you know between him and dylan moses i'd, I'd say they're the best linebackers in the sec or the most accomplished um He's he's really really good. He's going to play on Saturdays. I don't think anybody expects him necessarily to come back for his senior year. He is uh, he he's the heart and soul of that defense. Up front, they don't really have superstars on the D line, but they have just a ton of seniors, guys who have played a lot in, in this league. So they're they're not lacking for experience up there. Um, in the secondary, they've got two safeties who have played a ton of SEC football together, and Josh Bledsoe and Tyree Gillespie. Uh, Gillespie's a, a guy that's been mentioned for all SEC honors. I think he's got the potential to, to be that kind of player. Um, but I think just as important, they've, they've played a lot together. So they uh, this will not be new for them, you know, playing an, an SEC schedule. They've got some uh, – at, at cornerback, they lost some guys, but they have experience there. They've got experience at the other linebacker position. So they're not really going to be breaking in brand-new starters or brand-new, you know, inexperienced players anywhere. They've, they've got – some uh, continuity there and especially with the staff with Ryan Walters coming back as defensive coordinator you know he won't have Barry Odom kind of looking over his shoulder who was Missouri's de facto coordinator when he was the head coach uh, but he yielded more to, to Walters as time went on and, and Drinkwitz liked enough of what he knew about Ryan to keep him on staff and keep that defensive staff almost intact I think three of the five uh, position coaches are, are all back this year so th that's got to be the, the side of the ball that Missouri can count on going into the season. And a lot of these guys, especially you mentioned those guys in the secondary, um, matching up with Alabama's likes of Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith. And so when you look at that matchup, how do those guys kind of size up to guys like Waddell and Smith? And how do you stop guys that like those two guys that are so dynamic and such playmakers for Alabama? No, it's a huge challenge. I mean, you just, you can't let the, the big plays break your back you know when Missouri went to Alabama a couple years ago you know Jerry Judy scored I think it was the first possession had a huge touchdown catch uh Smith had a I think a 57 yard catch in that game and, and Tua just lit up that secondary and it was a a decent Missouri defense too it wasn't like anything that was it wasn't near the bottom of the league or anything like that it, it the um several of the players that were on that defense are back and in, including in the both safeties uh, so they know what it's like to go up against a high-powered attack like this. You just have to limit the big plays as, as much as you can and uh, you know, try to steal some possessions with takeaways. The big challenge for this defense is going to be getting pressure on the quarterback, not just this week, but every week. Missouri had the fewest sacks in the SEC last year, which was, um, considering they were a pretty good defense, you know, even by national numbers, it's surprising that – they weren't able to get much pressure on the quarterback. And when they did, it usually came from their tackles inside. So they've got to find ways to um, get some pressure off the edge and just, just to help that secondary just so they don't have to try to have to cover those guys 
for long, long stretches down the field because we know that that's a, a really tough task for any defense. You look at loopholes and different things that each team could do uh, and kind of throw each other off guard. Maybe surprises would be the word. But what loopholes would you say Missouri has to go through or Alabama has to go through, um, but really specifically Missouri, to get Alabama, keep Alabama on its toes um, and, and make this game maybe a little more interesting than people think? I, I think surprise is the key word. I don't, I don't know if there's any weaknesses to exploit. But the only, maybe the only real advantage Missouri has is just the element of surprise, it, not just with who's going to play quarterback, but what this offense is going to look like. Uh, you know, you can study Eli Drinkwitz's years at NC State as an offensive coordinator. You can study his one season as a head coach at Appalachian State and kind of come up with an idea of what his offense will look like. But you just really don't know because he's never had this kind of this personnel with him before. Um, you know, he could throw some curveballs at at Alabama that just may not be ready for they'll certainly have time to adjust within the game but I'm really curious to see if if uh if we see some trick plays if we see some unconventional stuff that's kind of always been a staple of Drinkwitz's offense um do you get enough plays to be able to do that I mean you got to be able to get first downs and, and sustain some drives to be able to really reach into your playbook and that's easier said than done against a good Nick Saban defense or even an average Nick Saban defense so uh, I'm, I'm just curious to see what this offense can do. What, what can it take advantage of uh, as far as that element of surprise? Last question here for you, Dave. Uh, amidst the circumstances of this season and the game being at Missouri, what can you tell me about what the stadium atmosphere is going to be like? Expected, I uh, read reports of less, right under 12,000 people. And so in terms of you know, 15, 20, 25% capacity, what, what is the atmosphere going to be like Saturday in Columbia? Yeah, I mean, Memorial Stadium is not one of the bigger stadiums in the SEC. We know that. Um, back when back when Missouri was winning division titles, you know, whether that was in the Big 12 North or in 2013 and 2014 under Gary Pinkle, you know, they were selling that place out pretty uh, pretty consistently. You know, you'd have close to 70,000 there, uh, if not if not more. And and even though that's smaller than you know the big the biggest stadiums we see in the conference, that place still got loud. And I don't know if it's just the acoustics uh, or what, but it, it would, it'd be a tough place to play when, when, um, when the crowds were that big. Now they have since um, decreased the capacity with some construction that they've done. So the capacity now is right around 61,000. They haven't come close to that in a while. And part of that's just because the program hasn't been as good. The, the demand uh, hasn't been there under the Barry Odom years. Uh, I think in normal circumstances, this year would this game would be a sellout. You've got a new head coach; people are excited about. It. People want to come see Alabama. Alabama surely would have some fans there, but we know that's not the case with with COVID, with the restrictions, with all the social distancing rules. So yeah, it's they're they're going to be around twenty percent capacity. Um, about a thousand students is where they're going to cap things off at. Uh, you know the 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 tiers like every school is de- doing this way. That's it's the top donors get the first crack at tickets so there'll be people in the suites there'll be people in certain sections it's going to be really different and and even though you know memorial stadium is is one of the on the smaller end of sec stadiums uh it's still going to have a a very just the environment's going to be unlike anything seen in a long time i mean there were days when missouri football was was probably at its uh absolute bottom uh back in the early 90s late 80s but there were still a lot more people there than, you know, the 20% that will be there this week. So this is going to be unlike 
anything the old timers who have been to a lot of games have ever seen before. Well, thank you so much, Dave. Really enjoyed that conversation. And here on the podcast this fall, I'm trying to do something a little different in terms of talking with the opposing team's beat reporters. And so Alabama, 10 SEC opponents, going to try and talk to 10 different SEC beat reporters and give you kind of the other side of the fence um, perspective on each game, previewing Alabama, what it's kind of like for other teams, um, whether you know they're coming to Tuscaloosa or Alabama's playing on the road, you can catch my behind enemy lines segment, which is taken from part of this interview and put on WVUA 23 on game days at 11 a.m. on the Crimson Tide kickoff show, so you can check that out there. When we look around Alabama athletics, Dylan Moses spoke with the media. He and plenty of other players this week have spoken with the media. Uh, Coach Saban will speak again on Wednesday. He spoke on Monday, but the, the big quote from Monday was Dylan Moses saying he wants to strike fear into his opponents. And that statement alone nearly made me fall out of my seat when I was on that Zoom call because Dylan Moses is already a very physically uh, imposing guy, linebacker at his size, and of course you think about his speed and his skill, and I just wouldn't want to line up against him. And uh, I don't think if you're listening to this that you would want him tackling you either. Um, But saying his goal this year is to strike fear into his opponents, I think he just does that when he puts on the number 32 and walks onto the field. He's that much of an empowering uh, figure in a football uniform uh, and and a great player for the Crimson Tide. So great quote there yesterday from Dylan Moses. Around Alabama athletics as well, Alabama soccer is 1-0 after a 3-1 victory over Tennessee last Saturday, kicking off fall sports here in Tuscaloosa, and it was the first event Alabama has seen since March. First, I'd seen in person since March 8th, I believe, covering Alabama softball, and so it was great to have college athletics underway and covering that. It was a fun win, Riley Mattingly with two goals for Alabama. Alabama scored twice in less than a minute early in the second half, and that was just really fun to watch. So a good start for Alabama soccer. And then, of course, Alabama football. Information on that game. Kickoff is Saturday at Missouri. It'll be 6 p.m. kickoff, and the game will be televised on ESPN. Of course, it will be on the Crimson Tide Sports Network with Eli, John Parker Wilson, Chris Stewart's back this year, guest of the podcast, fired up for Chris. Really excited that he's back on the airwaves covering Crimson Tide football. It's going to be a great season. And that really does it here for us on episode 51 of the Galloway Podcast. Reminder that the Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. So check it out on those three platforms. Share it on your social media. Share it with your friends. Let me know where you're listening and any feedback. Would love to hear from you. You can tweet me at WM underscore Galloway. I want to remind everybody as well that Galloway Podcast merchandise is available. A limited number of comfort color shirts. There are coffee mugs, tumblers, golf towels, and game day stickers. So I want to check that out. And... In season, I want to remind everybody to participate in uh, the Friday score prediction, the Galloway Podcast score predictions. The winner this year will get uh, one piece of merchandise that will be different every week for the Missouri game. It's going to be um, a coffee mug. And so check my Twitter early Friday morning and respond to the Galloway Podcast score prediction if you correctly predict the Alabama-Missouri game, or or if you are the closest, you'll win a prize this week. That's a coffee mug, so you'll want to be sure and check that out there. That comes out every Friday morning. And a reminder, you can check out my weekend sports cast on WVOA 23 weekends at 10 p.m. That does it for the Galloway Podcast. 
This is the Galloway Podcast, episode 51, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway.